0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom, and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, I wanted to just add something on here. I do have some trigger warnings in the beginning, but I wanted to add to that because uh, I want to be very clear because this could be a very, very, very triggering episode for a lot of people. So I want to tell you that we do talk about suicide. Um, we do talk about self harm. There is a little bit in here that is pretty graphic when it comes to self harm. Uh, we do talk about schizophrenia, bipolar, PTSD, various other mental illnesses. We briefly touch on sexual assault, uh, hospitalization, Um, you can even consider some of the stuff uh, going into abandonment. So I just want to be crystal clear on that um, because if any of those things are triggering for you, it's probably best to skip this episode or listen to bits and then skip ahead or something just because I want to make sure everybody's safe. And if you do need help, please, please, please see the resources in the show notes. There is no shame in asking for help. And lastly, I want to just issue a little correction here. And this also goes to the Donnie Darko episode. I want to make it very clear because I talked about how I was hospitalized when I was a teenager and that there were a lot of teenagers that were just thrown into hospitals, which is true. And a lot of it was for money and they'd be in there until the insurance money ran out. And sometimes parents just didn't want to deal with them. I want to make it very clear my mom was not like that. Okay. I was hospitalized against my mom's wishes. Um, And my mom fought for me, and she believed in me, and she saved my life. I do not think I would be here if it wasn't for my mom fighting for me. So I want to make that very clear because I don't want anyone to look down on my mom. Okay, so thank you so much, and be safe, and thank you again to my panel who are very brave and amazing, and thank you for listening, and be safe, and no shame in asking for help. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be talking about portrayals of mental illness and mental health in film. That's primarily where we're going to focus. Sometime we'll have to focus on TV, but this is primarily going to be focused around film. And since we are going to be talking about mental illness and mental health, I want to give big trigger warnings for this episode. Uh, We are going to be talking about probably various different mental illnesses, including inaccurate portrayals, including talking about people with mental illness going off the quote unquote rails, um, stuff like that. We're going to be talking about hospitalization. We're going to maybe be bringing up suicide. Well, we probably will. So I want to trigger that Uh, self-harm. Anything you can think of that goes with that will probably be brought up. So I want to make sure that everybody is aware of that because this episode could be very triggering. It could be even triggering for my panel. So I've made them aware of some things we'll bring up. So they are also free to leave if they don't want to be on parts of it. Um, and also, please be respectful of my panel if you're listening to this because this is a very hard and touchy subject for people to bring up because it is. there's still such a big stigma around it that please be respectful If you're listening to this, and please remember that we're all human beings and to open yourself up and to be honest, takes a lot of guts and courage. So I just really wanted to say that because I just think that's important. Okay, so before I introduce my amazing panel, I want to just a couple of quick show notes. Of course, we are taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. You can head on over to our anchor page and click listener support there or click on the link in our show notes. And also Redbubble, you can go over there, pick up some fandom merch, um, pick up a new mask, all that kind of stuff. And another announcement I want to make is that starting with the March donation, the one at the end of March, that 50% donation that we take towards uh, various Black Lives Matter organizations, we're going to be splitting it between a Black Lives Matter organization and a Stop Asian Hate organization, because I think both deserve as much attention as we can get. Because the racism, the deep-seated racism in this society, it's disgusting and we have to speak out about it. and We have to do something about it. Um, and this is the way we are going to help. So I want to make sure everybody knows that. If you have any organizations, either Black Lives Matter or for Stop Asian Hate, anything like that, please feel free to message the show. Um, you can do it via Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us as well. Okay, so I'm going to go around and introduce my panel and have them tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. Start with Pasha, who hasn't been on. I think the last episode you were on was
2: Firefly last year. Yeah, and that was like a really long one. It was. <laughs> much, we we're ready to keep going. And you were like, no, 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 no. This is <laughs> 10 hours. Um. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I'm Pasha. I'm the co-founder of Parasol Patrol. I'm also the executive director of RLRI, which is Red Light Resources International. We are an anti-human trafficking nonprofit uh, that seeks to curb trafficking by supporting community and uh, basic human rights initiatives, especially consenting adult sex worker rights. What I'm into (laughs) And I know this is the thing about mental health, but and I and, and right away I'm going to bring the party way down, way way down. You down here with me, okay? I was born in Wonju, South Korea. I'm uh, I'm Korean, and I'm also a former sex worker and also and a uh, surviving uh, trafficking sur- trafficking survivor. Mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of people, explaining that there is a huge difference between a human trafficking victim and a consenting adult sex worker is a big thing to wrap people's brains around. And uh, right now they're having this huge debate about whether or not, you know, especially the shooting. I know I'm dating this show, but the shooting that just happened in Atlanta uh, with the um, eight people that were killed and six of them were asians four of them were korean and they were in fact sex workers and it's shocking people that older women can be sex workers and trust me they certainly can be (laughs) and i'm helping with a candlelight vigil that's going to be tomorrow in denver and that's taken up obviously a lot of time um yeah yeah that's all i could go on and on about that i was the uh former madam whistleblower against the cu uh uh, athletic program during the cu football rape scandal and so i've been out there working for sex worker rights for a long 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 time now if i could just get paid for it (laughs) even even a tenth of what i was paid as a sex worker would be really groovy (laughs) (laughs) yes and then also i just
1: want to say decriminalize
2: sex work it, yes, 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 yeah. I, well, people get confused and they they think that legalizing sex work is the way to go. No, we want to go with decriminalization, if at all possible, because we just—it's a job. I mean, I hate to say this, and people—it's—it's—it's it's, it's an intense job, but so is so are a lot of other jobs, you know. But it, in the end, it's just a job. You go home, moms read to their kids, you know. I mean, it's 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 just. A job, and mm-hmm. so it shouldn't be criminalized. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, a, it there. That's a whole other thing. I'm sure we could get into another time the difference between legalization and decriminalization. But maybe if yeah. it just illegal would be would be super cool because if something's legal, it can be made illegal. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Well, and we're it, gonna have Pasha on later on. Um, this year, it's actually going to be in a few months yeah. talking about yeah. um, sex work and sci fi and um, mm-hmm. a couple of other things. So that'll be an interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to that a lot. Sorry, um, right.
2: party way down, hopefully. no,
1: other no, 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 this <laughs> is I mean, this is going to be like I said, this is going to be a heavy conversation. I'm not expecting this to be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows at all. So yeah, and Sarah.
3: Okay, I'm not sure how to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really all I'm into right now is uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier on uh, Disney Plus, which premiered today. Um, I've been looking forward to that for uh, quite some time now. Some new We haven't had new Marvel content in, uh, oh God, over a year. Um, thank you, COVID. Uh, so that, that's, that's what I'm kind of into right now. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And then Sasha.
4: Sarah stole mine.
1: That's okay. You can be into it, too.
4: Sarah stole it. Big old thief. Uh, Sorry. yeah. It, nope, you're good. It's because it's Falcon and Winter Soldier um, is definitely what I'm into. And it's funny because uh, Winter Soldier is one of the characters that comes up for mental illness. Uh, so it's kind of fitting that... That premiered with this, and yeah, no spoilers for anybody, but definitely go watch it.
1: And like I've said a million times, I don't have Disney Plus, so
4: <laughs> see, my Disney Plus for me is what Shutter was for you. Now I have Shutter, so now you need to get on the Disney train.
3: We we still love you, Erin. It's okay.
1: <laughs> well, I got it for um, uh, the trial during the trial. I got it during the trial, and there was like. I'm sorry, there was hardly anything on there that interested me. So that's why I got rid of it. I know, I know, I know. I will at some point. I'll, I'll do it again because everybody I know loves it, pretty much everybody. So I will, I will, I promise. Okay, and this is Erin. And what I'm into is there's a documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster. And um, I'm into it because I worked at Blockbuster right out of high school. I worked there for like a couple of years and I then I was a manager and all that. And, and my roommate at the time, she worked in a movie theater. So we got all our entertainment for free. It was so awesome. Um, and so it was very nostalgic for me. And I think there is something that's, you know, it's kind of sad that you don't get that experience of going to the video store and hoping what you want to rent is there. And when it's not, you know, standing there waiting for returns and praying somebody returns the movie you were hoping to see. So it's just for the nostalgia of it all. I think it's really, really good. So I recommend that one. Okay, so let's get into our topic at hand. Um, And I want to start just talking a little bit about, you know, the inaccurate portrayals, which there are a ton of them. And we're going to focus on kind of some categories. And there's a Screen Rant article that covers like the 15 worst ones, the 15 most inaccurate ones. And the thing that you will notice about a list like this is, you know, I mean, the most recent one on here is Joker, which I will be talking about that in this episode because that movie, I have lots of thoughts on that movie. Um, But, you know, so this is a problem that still continues. It's not like it's just, you know, Psycho. It's other movies that have inaccurate portrayals as well. So it goes all the way up to current day. Um, So I want to talk about that talking about psycho, is painting um, someone with a mental illness as a danger to society and how. And I'm not saying there aren't people that have mental illnesses that aren't a danger, because there are people with mental illnesses that can be a danger to society. But statistically, they are more likely to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators. So I want to talk about that. Um, So, Pasha, is there any movie that you can think of that to you first comes pops into your head when you think of painting someone who has a mental illness as being a danger?
2: Well, for me being queer also, I I get a lot of crossover between anyone that is gay or trans being classified as being crazy. And it doesn't happen as much anymore, but it's, for a long time it was even in the, you know, DSM about, uh, listed as an official mental illness and so in almost every movie that you see where there's a serial killer or anything like that there happens to be some sort of cross-dressing or trans element kind of thrown in and um oh they were bad you know that that seems to be an equation i think that a lot of people kind of associate even to this day especially trans people as being um psychopathic and and mm-hmm. truly mentally ill and unstable um i hate to say this but there are so many it's just so overwhelming um the the yeah. the misrepresentations even from just like passive interactions and i you know and in movies i catch myself even in my everyday life one of my things lately i've been trying to cr- curb myself from saying is using the words like oh my gosh that's crazy and stuff like that in my everyday speech and it would be great to see even just small things like that change in our entertainment as well
3: mm-hmm. okay. yeah All no, right. I I agree Sarah um yeah that's actually a very interesting point about uh what you brought up about uh uh trans people uh trans people Um, and the one that immediately came to mind was Silence of the Lambs with, uh, Buffalo Bill. Um, and I, that's just, that was just the first one that popped into my head, but there, there are, there are so many and not, not just in movies. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, screen rant, uh, article that you had just sent out, Aaron, the one that popped out at me was the accountant. And I think the one the reason that one jumped out at me is because Ben Affleck's I've actually never seen the movie. And the reason I've never seen the movie is, and I'll explain is because the main character, Ben Affleck's character is supposed to be autistic and he is, I guess, an assassin. I'm uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, because uh, like I said, I've never seen the movie. So it's to me, it's, it's painting a picture that, people with autism are capable of that type of violence. Um, And I remember that again with, uh, I think it was the, uh, with Sandy hook um, that there was speculation that the shooter uh, was also autistic. I have a son with autism. Uh, He's 18 now and the sweetest, kindest, most compassionate person you will ever meet. And I, cannot imagine him ever doing anything like that. And it's so out of character for people with autism. I know I'm going on a rant here, but it's so out of character for people with autism. And it just, my husband watched it and I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't because it's just not an accurate portrayal of, of people on the spectrum. Um, but I mean, there are, there are so like you had brought up Joker. Um, Which I, I actually, I I have thoughts on it too. (laughs) Um, and I, I think my interpretation of Joker was, it was more of a take on, yes, mental illness, but the people that are most vulnerable, the people that don't have access to services and how that affects them. Um, I think that was, to me, that was a part of it as well. Um. But again, I mean, so there's, there's so many, so many, and I don't even, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I mean, we can, yeah, that's the this, sad this part. is another topic we could go on for hours mm-hmm. about with different, different examples of how, how it's portrayed.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's the sad part. Yeah. And Sasha.
4: Um, it's funny that you brought up that screen rant article. Cause when I was kind of doing a little bit of digging just in prep for this i found it as well and so i was like oh yeah look at this and look at that so i the biggest one for me i think is the what used to be multiple personalities and is now dissociative identity and how they confuse dissociative with schizophrenia and they use them interchangeably and they call it like split personality so the movie split was you know that's one um the and then another one that came up for me was Primal Fear, which is the old uh Richard Gere and Edward Norton spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen a movie from the nineties, uh, Edward Norton fakes having another personality because he committed a crime, you know, so it's like using that to get out of things as an excuse. Um fight club, same thing. You know, so it's that that idea of a split personality, but then they use it with interchangeably with the schizophrenia. It's just that whole genre, and i it's usually a plot device for something um so that's the one that came up for me as like one of the big annoying showing people as you know dangerous and um or people using mental illness as an excuse to get out of their behavior in the films, like that primal fear
0: mm-hmm.
4: yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely that. Yeah, um, mixing those up, you know, mixing schizophrenia up with having a multiple multiple personality disorder is so common and they're so different. <laughs> um, you know, I've known people with schizophrenia. I've, I've known someone with paranoid schizophrenia, which is even more painful because you've got the paranoia on top of it. Um, but it is sad to me because when you mix those up, it's basically, it's, it's like, it's disrespectful to me because you're not respecting what the actual illness is and you're not respecting what the actual treatment would be. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm just going to talk about two movies. I'm going to talk about Fatal Attraction because Fatal Attraction, if you don't know what Fatal Attraction is, I mean, I'm sure you know what Fatal Attraction is. But Glenn Close's character um, supposedly has bipolar... Disorder, And as I said on our Donnie Darko episode, I have bipolar, bipolar two, which is a little bit different than bipolar one. The big distinction between the two is that when you have bipolar two, you don't have any hallucinations. So even if you have a manic episode, you don't have the hallucination part of it. Um, the big thing with bipolar two is there is a very, very, very high risk of suicide because your depressions are so low. like. It's so hard to describe to people that don't have it what it's like, Um, but you're but that's a high it's high risk basically for that. Um, And with her character, of course, she goes off the rails, boils a bunny, tries to kill Michael Douglas, tries to kill his wife, tries to, you know, becomes obsessed. And a lot of people think that when you have a mental illness, you're just one missed pill one bad day away from doing something like that. And the thing is people with mental illness are satisfied with just hurting themselves, which I'm not saying that's a good thing, but they're satisfied with just hurting themselves and people take advantage of people with mental illnesses all the time and hurt them all the time. So when you have a movie like this, that is become so big and huge Not to mention the way it also portrays women who are free with their sexuality. That's the other problem with it, too. Um, But when you have that, it just adds to the stigma that's already there. So if you have that illness, it can make you think, okay, people are going to be waiting for me to go nuts. They're going to be waiting for me to go crazy. They're going to be waiting for me to lose it. Um, You know, and and that's just not true. (laughs) Not true at all. Um, Even in my manic states, it was never like that. Um, You know, any harm I did was to myself. So, you know, and uh, the ironic thing, though, that I want to say about Fatal Attraction is I actually kind of like the movie. I enjoyed watching it. But if I look at it from an analytical standpoint, it does more harm than good, for sure. Um, And another one I want to talk about is Joker. And the reason I want to talk about Joker... It's because Joker is the same thing to me. It's a person who he goes off his meds, he's not getting help because he can't get it because it's so hard to get help, which is a good thing to see in a movie, but he goes off his meds and then he violently murders people. I mean, violently kills them. We're not talking about just like, you know, you barely see it. The way he kills people in this movie, I remember one of the murders when it was over, my sister and I both kind of looked at each other and went, Oh, my God. Thank God that is over because it was so intense and so visceral. And while I think Joaquin Phoenix was incredible in it and he deserved the Oscar, the movie itself was so hard and so painful to watch because you were so immersed in this person who was um, psychotic, really. I mean, he was psychotic and he was having a break. But it was the only real portrayal of mental illness you saw in the whole movie. And if they had had just a couple of characters that counteracted that, that maybe didn't have meds, and but still weren't like a danger to society, I think it would have been better. And I understand that wasn't the point of it. I understand it's a comic book movie, although to me, I don't think of it as a comic book movie. And I understand that it's an origin story and all that kind of stuff. But it's still harmful to me. Um, because it still shows that angry person, angry white male, angry person who gets off their meds and they're just going to go nuts and, you know, um, and the whole scene where he, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Joker, but the whole scene where he shoots Robert De Niro's character and his whole thing when he says leading up to that is basically saying, this is what you do to us when we're, when we are mentally ill, this is what you do. So we are going to shoot you. And it plays into that stereotype of also saying that that's what school shooters do and that's BS because school, you know, using that as an excuse is a way to excuse away what people do. Saying that it's just a mental illness that caused it is another thing I want to say. I just wanted to bring up those two. Um, But what we're going to talk about is easy fixes for a mental illness. That's another thing you'll see is you'll see some love stories where it's like love saves the day and that's all they needed. Or they just needed to write about it or something like that. And then you'll see people throwing away their pills or stopping therapy and everything is great. So I want to talk about that. Pasha, do you have any examples or any thoughts
2: on that? Well, I mean, gosh, it's... like i said this week has been a sleep deprivation week for me so i i'm having a little trouble pinpointing specific movies because there are so freaking many which is just <laughs> ridiculous but i agree with you that a whole easy fix is just very frustrating i when my my son is too is on the spectrum and also has uh, bipolar 2 and and other issues, and I myself have serious issues when, with anxiety and depression, and, and I make no secrets about it. We talk about it all the time publicly because I think that keeping shame and stigma around this is, um, you know, we need to acknowledge that, yes, this is a real thing. Yes, it affects real people every day of our lives does that mean that we're all psychotic and that we're going to go out and kill people or we're going to, you know, all these stereotypes, it's just like the stereotypes. Like I said, of, for instance, Asian women being submissive and shy. I'm like, you have not met my mother. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, you know, I explained it to my son when he had to go on medication when he was a child and it's so- So it feels disheartening and almost like a failure as a parent when you have to put your child on medication for mental health issues and for being on the spectrum or for whatever attention, anything that they need help with and assistance with. And part of the reason it makes adults, the parents feel like such a failure is because of all the stigma and all the crap. And we are told that we are bad parents or, or whatever for not taking care of our kids or not keeping them quiet in the grocery store or whatever that may be. Um, but when I sat down and explained to my son why he had to be on medication, he had a good friend that was uh, type 1 diabetic. And I said, uh, well, Joey has, has an imbalance in his body that requires medicine for him to take, to have shots. To um, make sure that balance is restored, and I said in in, in his case, is his endocrine system and stuff that 's imbalanced, and in your case in my case, I said, son, we have some of some chemical imbalances in our hormones and our brains and all kinds of stuff, so this medicine is just to restore a balance within our bodies, a physiological imbalance that makes it harder for us to focus and everything else and um so this is not something that most people can just toss their meds and be okay once they have fall in love or once they find their dream job or once they lose weight or whatever that may be. Uh, this is an ongoing issue that requires medication in some cases and in some cases not. Uh, whatever treatment there is, usually it does require a treatment that is lifelong and there shouldn't be any shame associated with that. And when, we portray it that way in our movies and in our media so much, it just plants that seed and perpetuates that cycle of shame and stuff. And then parents feel, continue to feel like failures because our kids have to be on meds and they keep it a secret or whatever. And uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's the, gosh, because there are so many movies like that. They're like, Oh, and they just toss their pills and everything's hunky dory or the conversely, they toss their meds or whatever it may be. And that's what was holding them back in the first place. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, yep. <laughs> that that's very frustrating when they're like, oh, I'm not going to take my meds anymore. And all of a sudden they get that dream job and they're more assertive. And mm-hmm. uh, no, yeah, nah, not a shame, yeah. happy.
1: Or they become so that. that beautiful, amazing artist mm-hmm. and the biggest success because they're not on yeah. the meds anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep.
3: Well, there yep. we go. Sarah. Um, yeah, all of that. Um, no, I, I I, mean, there's, oh, God, I don't, <laughs> I could talk forever on this. Um, that is one of the biggest things. Anytime uh, you know, I watch movie, TV show, book, read a book, whatever, regarding mental illness, is that quick fix. Um, and how you know, they, they start painting and suddenly everything's better and they meet, you know, the perfect mates and suddenly everything's better. And it it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um I am four to six years old and I have been dealing with this since I was ten. Um and you know, there's good days, there's bad days, but it is a process. It's not you start journaling and suddenly everything clicks and you're cured. It's there's, there's no cure for this. Yeah. There's ways to manage it and work through it and learn to live with it and learn coping skills when you are having off days or bad days or when you are triggered, but there's, there's no cure. There is no cure for this. Um, And uh, the other thing (laughs) that always pisses me off, sorry, um is the character in whatever movie TV show you know realizes that need help and they're suddenly able to get an appointment with a therapist like same day when does that happen that never happens <laughs> it's like well well we're not on your insurance so that'll be $200 for the session it's like no then that... mm-hmm. and even if they are on your insurance it could be 6 weeks three months before you get an appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. My, my husband finally figured that out uh, because I was actively uh, suicidal about two years ago um, and hit a really, really bad spot uh, to the point where I, I almost uh, swallowed a bottle of pills in front of him before he knocked them out of my hand. And uh, he took up the task of calling around to try and find a therapist for me and, it probably took a good dozen phone calls before he finally found someone that would, would see me. Um, and even with that, it was a couple of days before the intake and then another couple weeks before I actually saw the therapist. So that's another, you know, not, not so much the quick fix, but how quickly people are able to get help when they're seeking it, uh, in, in, Movies and 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 uh, TV, because that's that's not how it works, <laughs> and it's incredibly you know, for for people who are in a mental health crisis, it's incredibly frustrating, mm-hmm. um, and that's just it's that's that's one of the things that I, I wouldn't say triggers me, but you know when watching that, and I'm like, oh, there's no way you can get an appointment same day. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. With a with a private therapist yeah that's that's not happening <laughs> mm-hmm. oh no 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 yeah and they're always a really good
1: therapist right Instantly, it's like they're like the, the best, best therapist in the world you could ever dream of and yeah there they are which it's is like oh, and, oh awesome yeah i could bullshit. see you in
3: an hour no mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. not happening yeah exactly <laughs> sasha
4: I was going to add that they're always this glowing therapist when they find them, they're in there and immediately they're into the root of everything. Like you're not going to build rapport. You're (laughs) not going to like get it back. We're just going to jump right on in. And here's my sexual abuse history. And now I'm fixed. No, no, no. Like, I'm not going to come in and tell you people about the sexual assaults I suffered. I don't know you yet. Mm -hmm. I need to get to know you. That's not how that works. You know? So yeah, but everything that, pasha said and sarah said i mean the you know i i wholeheartedly agree with pasha about the you know it's a it's a chemical imbalance you need to balance it out i've had this argument literally this argument with people where they're like you can you don't need meds just because you're depressed doesn't mean you need meds i'm like hello do you take blood pressure pills you don't need them if you just think positively your blood pressure will be great it'll be fine Trust me, they're like, Well, that's not how that works. I'm like, that's not how your brain works either, idiot. Mm-hmm. And because I have an advanced degree in this, I can tell people that and I can call them an idiot and get away with it. Cause I earned the right. <laughs> because you are doctor badass. I yep. I earned that doctorate, <laughs> so I can tell people crap and they can't argue with me because I am way more researched than they are. So bring it, bitches.
0: <laughs> where I I'm love at.
4: You. Um, But yeah, the whole like trying to explain to people that what you see in film is not the reality. You know, you can't just because they do it in the movies and TV all the time where they go off their meds. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's not going to make you better just because you found the perfect, using air quotes listeners, perfect (laughs) partner doesn't fix the brain chemistry. You can't. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're not schizophrenic because you fell in love. No, that's not how that works. Like you, you fall in love. You're no longer diabetic. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> this is Not how this stuff works. And then like Sarah said, you know, you can't get in to see a therapist day one. It doesn't work that way. You have to fight. You have to argue. Insurance is a nightmare. And even if you go private out of pocket, you have to find somebody and then you're doing research it's not an easy process and films make it look super easy. And like, if you do ABC, you're going to be fine. You know, you buy that house in the woods and you're happy as can be. And it's not, that's not reality. And it's very misleading. And I think it, it does way more damage than good, you know, and they use it again. It's a big plot device in rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Right, you see it a lot in romantic comedies where, you know, somebody's broken or damaged in some way, and as soon as they fall in love, everything's unicorn farts and rainbows, whatever. And rant. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was awesome. That was
1: that was awesome. Yeah, that's and you know the other thing you will see is when people and I'm talking about the glamorized ones, not other ones. Still see. They go to a hospital, they go to a psychiatric facility, and it's always really nice, and it's pretty, and it's clean, and it's safe feeling, and I'm going to tell you the reality right now of what it's like when you go to a psychiatric facility. Last time I was in a psychiatric facility was in 2013. I was suicidal and went to the emergency room. Okay, this is what happens to you. I want everybody to know what really happens because we don't talk about this a lot. This happens to every this happens to people with PTSD. This happens to everybody who goes in and they're in crisis. You go to the emergency room. Luckily I had someone with me. I had my mom with me and I was sitting in like an exam room that you would go into for hours and I mean hours. Hours because there was nowhere for me to go. There was no bed. Nowhere for me to be. So I was there for hours upon hours upon hours. And this is the odd thing is I am suicidal at this point. I'm in a room full of things that I could easily use to kill myself, honestly. And then they take you from there. And what they did is they took me to another room that had nothing. Bare walls, a bed, nothing you could harm yourself with. Drugged me, you know, to get me to sleep. I slept, but they woke me up every hour or so to check on my vitals. So you're in this weird space. You're sitting in this room that's really kind of terrifying, and you're alone, and you feel like you're being punished for feeling awful. You feel like you're being punished for feeling suicidal. You feel like you're being locked up in, like, isolation for feeling suicidal. And then I went by ambulance to the psychiatric facility because they insisted that. You couldn't go. Nobody else could drive you. So they took you because they put you on a hold, 72-hour hold. Went there. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any clothes. And I'm in this hospital gown, and it's the most degrading thing. And you're sitting there, and, you know, everybody else is looking at you, and you're, like, you know, just in this little flimsy hospital gown. And you're already feeling like crap about yourself. And you're thrown into this room with some stranger who's also in crisis. And then all these other people who are also in crisis. And it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. There's nothing comforting about it. There's nothing welcoming and warm about it. And I'm not saying, I want to make clear though, I'm not saying you shouldn't seek that help if you're in crisis because you should. And I mean, I do think it can save you in that moment, but it's not the, it's not like this magical thing that's going to make you all better. And the second you get out, you're a hundred percent better because you get out and you're going, you go through a trauma. It's a traumatic event because it's embarrassing. You feel embarrassed. Um, You know, I had a job at the time where when my employer found out, they were like, well, I'm supposed to be going to Hawaii. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and my mom's like, "My daughter is literally fighting for her life. I don't give a crap what you do." Um, so it's that kind of thing where it's like they don't people don't see it the same way. Like we've talked about it's, you know, people don't see it like diabetes. They don't see it like having a heart attack. They don't see it like having cancer. And so that's the reality is. It's not like this really pretty room where you've got flowers and you've got a TV and you've got this You're not allowed that kind of stuff. Um, You're not allowed, you know, certain shoes. You're not allowed to have a razor. You're not allowed. I mean, all this stuff, you're not allowed sometimes to have pens. You're not allowed to have anything. Like the first time I was in a hospital when I was a teenager, um, and I talked about that in the last episode, that in the 90s, teenagers were constantly being thrown into psychiatric facilities. And when I was in there, They took away my poems, my poetry, because my poetry was too dark. They took away some of my music because my music was too dark. So that's the thing is it's like it's not this thing where you go there and you're on this relaxing vacation and you're at a spa to cleanse your mental health. It's exhausting. It's work. And when you come out, you're recovering from your recovery. So I just want to make that clear and I'm not at all like I said I'm not at all saying you shouldn't seek treatment because you definitely should. But I want people to know the realities of it. So when you see someone in trauma and they go get that help, please please be respectful of them when they do that because that takes a lot of courage because it's not an easy thing to do. It's very hard. And like we've mentioned, you cannot get a therapist overnight. It does not work that way. I've had a lot of bad therapists. I've also had some really good ones, but I've had some really bad ones. And there's a big difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist. So, I also want to make that clear cuz psychiatrists, I've had those I consider them my dealers. So, I put them cuz they're the ones that help with the meds, but 9 times out of 10 you meet with them for about 10 minutes except for your first meeting. And they barely will look at you sometimes. They won't even look at you. They just take notes and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we'll keep you on this dose." And that's what it is. So, I just want to make sure cause I don't think people really get the reality of how it really is. Um, Sarah, you wanted to add something there?
3: Yeah, just, just in case, uh, anyone thinks that Aaron is exaggerating. Uh, she's not, uh, because that was pretty much my experience. Um, in, uh, uh, Oh God, about 25 years ago. Um, and, uh, I swallowed a, uh, uh, bottle of sleeping pills and ended up in the emergency room having my stomach bumped, which uh, was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, them having to call my parents and them not knowing what's going on and you're, you're questioned and you're shamed and it's just – I would say it's probably the most traumatic experience that I have ever been through. And – um, now I will say the, the hospital that I was in, um, they were fantastic. Uh, lots, I, I was 21 at the time. So there were a lot of people my age. Um, but again, you know, it's not a country club. It's not a spa. Uh, I mean, you're, you're in sessions all the time. Uh, there's very, very little personal belongings that you are allowed to have. Um, You know, I've always when I've talked about it, I've always said it was probably it was the worst experience of my life and the best one of the best experiences of my life, because I think that was the time that I really realized that I was not broken, um, that there were other people like me going through the same things that I am going through. That this is this is not something that I am going through alone. That this is this is common, and this is what people go through. But yeah, I I just I just wanted to uh, support Erin in her description there because I know sometimes people can be like, oh well, that's not how it is. And it can't be that way. And no, that's that's really how it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and and I will. I do want to second that with finding people in there. That that that's the best part about it. Um, I mean, best part about it sounds weird to say, but the good part about it is that you do get to meet other people that are going through the same thing and people of every background you can possibly imagine every career you can possibly imagine. And it does make you feel less weird and ostracized and out there. I will say that that is the nice thing. And I do want to add, though, I do think there are facilities that do exist because I've Researched them before where it is more posh and where it is more relaxing. But the problem with those is that's just for the rich people. That's for the super rich people. So that goes again into class and all that crap. Tasha, you wanted to add something?
2: I second what you say about a lot of it has to do with socioeconomic status and wanted to say my only experience ever being hospitalized. My little brother and I had to go through foster care on and off when we were younger. And then when we were teenagers, I guess the system was full. I don't know what happened, but they put us each in separate hospitals. I was in St. Anthony's Hospital in Oklahoma City at uh, 15 years old. And when I was first put in there, it was with a young, it was with a teenage girl who was schizophrenic. and. I was scared to death, but bless her heart, she just had the toughest time with a new person in her space and all night long, of course, it was back and forth and in and out with her and it just broke my heart. But that having been said, they, they said, my, my brother, keep in mind, is at a different facility, completely miles and miles. We had no contact and they came to us each and said, well, we've concluded our, ex, uh, our uh, investigation. You guys can go home. And completely separately from one another, we both went, I don't want to go home. (laughs) And we actually preferred staying in the facility as teens to our home life, which obviously sucked. That having been said, was it easy? No. Was it absolutely awful at times? Yes. Um, I was on a co-ed hall. One of the older teenage boys was a sex offender. It was a mess. It was a mess. It was very scary. Um, but I still have a couple months ago. Um, one of the gals that, that young women I met there, one of the teens I met there found me on Facebook and, (laughs) and we wound up, you know, and, and also being queer happened to be my nurse was a gay man. And so, you know, so there were positives and negatives, uh, it wasn't a voluntary thing for me, yet it was. And I just wanted to say, as a teenager, the experience that I think is very different than as an adult. And um, honestly, it's an experience that I'm glad I went through. Um, it was what I really needed to feel safe at the time. It felt safer, believe it or not, than a foster home. And and so I'm I'm grateful for my hospital stay. But it was definitely... Whew, an eye-opening experience and as an adult there was at least one time where I should have probably been hospitalized but because of my teen experiences even though I think that overall it was a beneficial experience I wouldn't go back to the hospital I refused because of that teen experience if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. that's all I just wanted to you know feel important to and give my two (laughs) cents. oh thank you
1: Pasha thank you thank you for sharing that yeah yeah and I yeah I mean it is very different when cuz the only two times i've been hospitalized once was when i was a teen 14 almost 15 and then the other time was as an adult um you know in my 30s so it is very different as an adult versus a teen there is a lot of differences there and when i was hospitalized as a teen it really was this thing it was this epidemic where they were seriously just locking up teenagers constantly I mean, you had teenagers in there that were solely in there because they ran away from home or their parents just didn't want to deal with them. I mean, it's the reality. And they'd be in there. And the hospital that I was in as a teenager, I remember when they closed it down. It got closed down. It got turned into a school now. Um, And I remember when it got closed down, celebrating. And I was so happy that it got closed down because it hurt so many people. But, but. I did have a lot of great friendships there. A lot of great cherished friendships that I still think about some of those people. I was introduced to bands like Violent Femmes. That's how I learned about Violent Femmes was by one of my fellow um people there. Um and one of the fellow teenagers there, he introduced me to the Violent Femmes. And so I, you know, discovered great things. I, you know, discovered very you know, I went, okay, yeah, I am very different and weird. And now I can find people that are different and weird and be okay with them. So I will say there was that blessing, but it is very different. When you're an adult, it's, um, there's a different level of trauma to it, but I will say I probably wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't have a lot of things if I hadn't gone to the hospital in 2013. So I do want to say that too, is that I think in the long run, there's positives that came from it. Cause actually that, just quote unquote celebrated eight years ago that that happened on, cause I went in on St. Patrick's day in 2013. So, okay, well I want to move on to some positive portrayals and one of the movies we have listed here is actually not a positive. It's Benny in June. So if we get to that, we will. Um, but you know, it depends on when we do, but I want to start and people may have different opinions on these two than me, but I want to start with one flew over the cuckoo's nest Because this is probably the most well-known movie about a hospital, about a psychiatric facility. This was in the 60s, so it was a lot different than it is now. Um, But I want to talk about that movie and everyone's overall
2: thoughts on
1: that one, Um, Pasha.
0: Well, you
2: guys are going to spank me. I've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's one of the very few on the list that I have not seen. I know. And I'm a movie buff and I haven't seen it. Did I sit through all of the mini-series of Ratchet Ratcheted that was just on? Yes. But I haven't seen the original movie. I'm so sorry. Don't beat me. But, um, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: I, high now. Max.
2: I know. Um, but I do understand. I've read um, the book a million years ago. And, and so... Um, I do want to say that one thing I did find interesting is that it was very much a hospital hospital. Uh, like you said, with the hospital gown stuff, it was not a resort, but it was also not what most people consider to be modern facilities. Obviously it was in the sixties, but it was very much a hospital hospital. And I do know, um, one of the things I remember from the book, and I assume it was in the movie was, um, of course, of course it was in the movie. Uh was the um the procedure with the um lobotomy. Iso- yes, lobotomy. Yes, lobotomy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Um sorry listeners, uh but um but yeah, and I do remember I'm right at that tail end of that age. I'm older than all y'all where lobotomy was very common. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew kids my age that had had lobotomies and you know, they, sometimes, I know this sounds weird, but I know at least four or five kids my age, kids, small kids that had got, had to have lived through a lobotomy, and a couple of them, you would never know in a million years, there really was no major change, and a couple of them, one of them, his personality changed dramatically, but everyone feels for the positive, and, um, the other one we just never saw. We never saw again. Bless, bless her heart. It was the only female a girl. The rest were boys. And um, but a couple of them, honestly, they came back to school almost right away and joked around and stuff like that. Now knowing what we know, all these things that were considered disgusting and archaic, I still feel are disgusting and archaic. But for some extreme cases, even electroshock therapy can be a positive thing. But I think lobotomy, the way they were handing it out, almost like candy. I know that sounds weird, but I mean, growing up in Oklahoma, things like masturbation as a kid, they would give you a lobotomy for it. And I'm not exaggerating. They really would. And and it was interesting to me. From that book and I assume movie and, and so on and so forth. How uh, and even in ratchet when they actually very 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 first start doing lobotomies, how those type of procedures that we now consider to be so extreme were very commonplace. And so it makes me wonder in the future what are we doing now that uh, we consider as typical will be considered extreme in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah
1: yeah and that and i mean i didn't finish ratchet um but it's very different than what flew over the cuckoo's nest so different it's very much ryan murphy so it's it's very different but um except ratchet is a horrible horrible person but um but yeah, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, that's it's true about um, electroshock therapy. I want to say just really quickly, that kind of made a ke- comeback not too long ago. Um, but I know that some people are getting that and it does help them actually. So, but I think it's done a lot differently than they used to
3: do it. So that's probably why. And Sarah, um, okay, it's been years since I've seen it. <laughs> so. Apologies, but at least at least I have seen it, unlike some other people. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> mwah, mwah. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, she's sticking I her tongue out at is. me. I see <laughs> how it is. I see how it is. No, I'm just teasing. If it doesn't have you. phasers or TARDISes, I'm not as... No. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't remember when I actually watched it. Uh, but I know it, we've actually touched on a couple of things, like Jack Nicholson's character about how he is faking mental illness so he can end up in the hospital as opposed to jail, and you know uh, how that ends for him. With spoiler alert, I realize the movie's like 50 years old, but you know he does end up with the lobotomy, um, and just how i mean i i remember watching it and just being very upset how how the patients were treated um how horrible and cold and i i don't, I don't even know the word uh nurse ratchet i mean one of one of probably uh the best villains uh out there um and it was just it was just very very to me very unsettling very disturbing how that, how people i mean we we have a long way to go um but considering where we were back then and how we treat people with mental illness we've come a long way i mean you know like 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 uh, uh, pasha said you know it, masturbation you, you were given a lobotomy you were put on medication i mean it was you know, it, things like that were just treated completely different. And if that's what you were doing, obviously there was some sort of men- something mentally wrong with you. Uh, so I think I, I, from watching it, I think we, we have come a long way and I think we are doing a much better job of how we are treating people with mental illness, even within hospitals, but we still have a long way to go. Um, You know, it's one of those movies I do want to rewatch, but I kind of have to be in the mood because it's it's a little that one's a little heavy for me.
2: Yeah.
4: Sasha. All right, y'all buckle up. So for our listeners who don't know me very well, I have worked in the mental health field for 20 years. Really long time.
0: Uh, I started
4: out actually working in residential treatment centers with youth. So, like, where Aaron ended up and kind of where Pasha, not in a big hospital, but private residential centers working with kiddos. Um, When I started, they were mostly Department of Youth Corrections. So, they were serving time for crimes and criminal activity, but they also had a mental health component. Uh, So, I just watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you have HBO Max, it's on there for free right now, so you can watch it. Because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I wanted the refresher of it. And the one thing that struck me. First off. Was when they grouped everybody up together. And Nurse Ratchet And her nurse partner. They were doing like group therapy. And so they had everybody in a circle. And they were talking. And I was like oh my fucking god. Like this is what we used to do with the kids. And that was in the early aughts. That we were still doing this. Um, I also come from a bygone era where when kids were self-harming or becoming a danger to others and fighting and getting completely out of control we would do mechanical restraints um and that is very traumatizing so not only for the person being restrained but for the people who are doing it it's very traumatizing i've been in more than i care to ever count they don't do them anymore in the state of colorado uh those kinds of restraints that we used to do are illegal somebody finally went, <laughs> this is probably a bad plan. We really shouldn't do this. And so they don't do them like that anymore. Um, so that's kind of a win there. But so the seeing the restraints, you know, those group therapy thing, um, one of the things that really brought up something for me was Billy is one of the people that's in there when so Jack Nicholson's character smuggles in some girls and they have this big party and Billy is kind of the sheepish character and he really likes one of the girls. And they're like, come on, come on. And they're kind of pushing him and they end up basically throwing him and this girl together in a room. and like, you're just going to go have sex. It's going to be fine. You know? And so it's this whole big thing. Well, the next morning when nurse ratchet comes in, um, you know, she's like, what would your mother think? Your mother's going to be so disappointed. You need to, you know, we're going to have to talk to your mother about this. And he's begging her, like, please don't tell my mom. Um, and then I know Aaron's going to do trigger warning. So big trigger warning. Billy goes off into this room where he gets put and, and it He ultimately ends his life by suicide. And it's out of shame. I had, this was very personal for me because I, I had a kid that I was working with who developed a crush on me as his staff. I was, I knew that he liked me, but it was not, it's not an issue. We worked fine together. um, And somebody made him come tell me because they thought that would be therapeutic. Um, And they thought it was going to be therapeutic for him to divulge this to me. I already knew I don't need to, I'm, this is torture, right? So it was a very awkward situation. About 15 minutes later, the kid came out of his room and they wore white t-shirts at the time and it was red. And I was like, oh my God. And he had gotten, he was my like champion of self-harmers. I always used to joke if the building fell apart, it was going to be because of this kid. He'd bring me screws. He'd bring me broken glass. Like anything he could hurt himself with, he would bring to me. But he came out, and he was just, like, bawling. Sleeve was red. He had gotten a piece of glass, and he had cut on his arm because of this. They sent me home from work because I was destroyed. I was absolutely devastated by this occurrence. Sorry. But my point is, like, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and things that we still did, and I'm talking, like, 2,000 people, like, 20 years ago, we're still doing this thing where you're forcing people to do things. And the shame of having to do that when they're not ready is causing harm. And that's something that happens and it needs to stop, you know, and I don't work with kids in that capacity anymore. I go into those buildings still, but I don't work one-on-one with those kids like that. So for me, that whole scene and Cuckoo's Nest was like, I I was part of that system for a long time just because I was trying to help those kids and we did those groups. Granted, the groups I did were victim awareness and yoga. <laughs> so it's not like heavy therapy it's more <laughs> fluffy stuff, you know, but we, there was a lot of stuff that we did with them and, you know, teaching them and doing different things. So it was very, very feelsy. Um, I am going to lighten it up a second because I am crying and, I need to. So we're talking about the ECT, which is electroshock. They call it the electroconvulsive therapy now. Just so you know, they are still using it. It is kind of making a comeback. What they're using it for is major depression that is drug resistant. Um, So this is like last resort. People who are so, so far depressed that they can't. Drugs aren't helping. Nothing is helping. Um, And it has a pretty good success rate. They What they do is they do it like three times a week for two to four weeks. Um And the way that they do it is they actually put you to sleep. So they give you like a relaxer, you know, like I'm assuming like a Xanax, Valium, whatever the new ones are. And then they put you under, they sedate you and do it. Um And it's minor stuff. It's not like they show in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where they put the bite guard in and zap him while he's awake and he has a full-blown seizure from it. Um, That's not how they do it anymore. I don't, I mean, I think that's how they did it originally, but that's not how it's done anymore. Um, So just so that people know, when you hear, if you ever hear of somebody doing it, because I actually know somebody who did it and it really helped her, like 180 helped her when meds were not, and it was like her marriage was on the line, everything was going bad, and she did it. I think she had to do... three weeks worth of treatments and it like reset the electricity in her brain. It did something and she's totally fine. Doesn't need meds, still does talk therapy, but it helps. Mm -hmm. So if you hear of somebody that is considering it, please don't shame them. Please don't be like, Oh my God, you're going to let them stick electrodes in your brain. Like, come on people be the bigger person, Mm -hmm. let them do what they need to for their own support. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, thank you, Sasha.
1: Sorry, guys. No, 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 no. This is going to be a heavy conversation. Like I said, this is going to be a heavy... So thank you so much for sharing that, Sasha. Really, thank you. Um, Well, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is in my top five favorite movies. (laughs) Um, it's, It's not a movie I can watch a lot because it's so painful. It has... Even though it's heartbreaking, it has one of the best endings of any movie. Even though it's heartbreaking because of what happens to Jack Nicholson's character, you still see someone freed <laughs> at the end. So it's it's heartbreaking, and yet it's also beautiful. Even though this was the 60s and there was a lot of improvements, there were hospitals when I was a teenager, um, like here in Colorado, um, Fort Logan, which I'm sure everybody on here is familiar with. And I had friends that ended up there. Um, My high school boyfriend ended up there for a little bit. Um, And that's a lot more like this kind of hospital than it is the hospitals that I was in. I know when I was in the hospital I was in as a teenager, um, one of the therapists that I had, because I was misdiagnosed, I was diagnosed as schizophrenic, and I wasn't diagnosed as bipolar until I was 30. But I was diagnosed as schizophrenic. And then later on, they went, no, that's not true. And I mean, like, I I was on Haldol, which, if you don't know what Haldol is, Haldol, yeah, it makes you just your brain, it's like a lead weight on your brain. So I like spent the whole summer basically uh, sleeping in the basement, just watching TV because my brain was just like dead. But anyway, so this hospital is different than the one that I was in. Um, but the hospital I was in, the psychiatrist there told my mom that I was, this was when I teenager that I was going to spend the rest of my life in hospitals. I was going to probably be in Fort Logan. I was just gonna be in and out of hospitals. And that basically she, and this is why I'm so grateful to my mom, because if I had a different mom, I think I probably would have ended up dropping out of high school. I probably would have ended up, I don't know. I'm, I'm very grateful for my mom. Um, I just want to say that because seriously, my mom saved my life in a lot of ways because she didn't listen to what these psychiatrists were saying. Cause they said, say goodbye to your daughter. You're never going to see your daughter again, basically. Um, and thank God she didn't listen to that. She did her own studying and figuring out. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, so this, so my facility was different than that, but that facility was very similar to the one in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But the group therapy, we did that. We did that in every facility. You did the group therapy where you sat there. I did that in the one that I was in in 2013. So that's not the thing that's gone away. It's like, yep, that's what you do. And there, there are some benefits to that. There are some really good benefits to it. Um, But it can be hard at times. And sometimes you're in some kind of weird thing, weird group. I do want to say one thing that has helped me, and I've done it twice now, is dbt um dbt is if you don't know i think anyone doesn't matter who you are could benefit from it um so if you don't know what that is look it up it's dialectical behavior therapy it was first created to help people with borderline personality disorder because that's one of those things that they can't find medicine that treats in a well way so they um yeah definitely look into it sarah it's it's incredible really it's incredible Um, it's hard. It's very hard, but it's very incredible. Um, and I've taken it twice and I'd love to take it again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to cut to Sasha actually to have her add something in.
4: I just, um, wanted to throw out there because you mentioned the DBT and so dialectical behavioral therapy is a branch of cognitive behavioral therapy, but it really focuses on the shifting the thoughts. Um, like it's super like zoned in on changing those thinking patterns. Cause that's what gets into people's heads. Um, that was, I just had to throw that in there cause it was part of my dissertation. So any of you Thank that you. want DBT information and like where you can find, because they have workbooks that people can do. You can do them on your own. Any of that, just, you know, when we get to the end of the, the episode here, I will throw out my Instagram. You can send me a DM for, for our panel people. Um, you know, in we've got a chat. You can, I'll send stuff in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you go th- and it's divided into four different sections. So you do like mindfulness, interpersonal relationships. I know I'm going to forget a bunch of them all of a sudden, but yeah, it's divided into four things and it's just, it's really, a really good tool. And you know, it's one of those that when you take it once, you're kind of like every two years you want to do a refresher course and it's not easy. It's very hard to do But it's so helpful. It's very, very helpful. So I want to throw that out there. And sorry, that was a total tangent. It has nothing to do with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. (laughs) Um, But I think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, what I appreciate so much about this movie is I think a lot of times what you will see is you will see in a movie, you will see the people who work in the facilities and you'll see their struggles and their life and how hard it is to deal with the quote unquote crazies of the world. And this one flips that. And you see from the point of view of the people who are locked in there and you see that. And unfortunately this is true. A lot of people that work in that field, definitely not Sasha, but a lot of people that work in that field, they become very, um, kind of cold and hardened and they don't have that love for the people they're helping. And so it becomes very painful to be in there. And nurse ratchet is like that times a thousand. Um, She's, you know, the, one of the best villains ever on screen because she is a villain. She's a pure villain and she has no love or compassion for these patients. And so I just really will always appreciate about this movie that they show that side of it, that they show the side they have compassion for the patients. I think every single patient in here, they have compassion for. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see. Very rare, especially when this movie came out. Very rare thing to see. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure to mention it because it's one of my favorite movies, period. And I just will always appreciate that the hero of the movie in the end is one of the patients. It's not a doctor. It's not a psychiatrist who saves the patient. It's the patient who's the hero in the end. Um, And I will always love that about this movie. Okay, well, I'm going to skip over Benny and June because I think with Benny and June, that's more in the harmful area, even though I loved that movie when I was young. Um, So I want to talk about another one that also takes place in a hospital, if that's okay with my panel, because it's also the same kind of thing. And this is another movie that... Whoo, when I saw this, this was a lot. Um, Girl Interrupted. Has everybody seen Girl Interrupted? Okay. Has anybody else read the book as well? It's an excellent book. Okay. So Pasha, what are your thoughts on Girl Interrupted?
2: Okay. So I I it's kind of weird. I read the book of one flew over the cuckoo's but I haven't seen the movie in this way. It's the other way around. <laughs> but it's been many, many, many moons since I saw it. And like I said, I'm a little older than you guys. And so when I saw it, I was already a mom, I was an adult, I was not, I was not in that same, even though these women are closer-ish to my age, it, the environment was supposed to be young, young women, and I had a whole different set of, um, circumstances going on in my own life at the time, and so one of the things i Liked and did, I mean there there there's so many things in these movies that you're like yes that's spot on and no that's not like for instance you were talking about the Joker movie, yes it's spot on that he didn't have access to medication and this was part of the issue, but then like you said the whole other thing conversely is you go off your meds and then you become this psychotic killer and that doesn't happen either so um and so I think with Girl Interrupted there were both positives and negatives and I one of the stereotypes that I think um, gets portrayed a lot of movies is that the, of the crazy artist, the crazy creative person. And uh, when people get manicky and stuff, they, they do feel like they're more creative. They, they definitely, you know, I mean, I, me being uh, who I am, I, I myself have always told myself that being a, a crazy, crazy creative person, quote unquote, and I hate that term now, that crazy creative person, but um was not necessarily a negative thing. I don't know in real life that happiness comes with that. And in Girl Interrupted, the dichotomy between the two young women and what's supposed to be the positives and negatives about mental health, I think, of course, it's exaggerated. It's a movie, and I'd love to hear everybody else's take on it. But it's, to me, the whole thing that you have to be um, a little insane in order to be creative I think is is not necessarily true and I also think that uh, I don't I don't I'm trying to put into words exactly what I want to say I saw a a, a stand-up show was wasn't a comedy show but it was a show recently where they talked about Van Gogh and how Van Gogh was clinically depressed and, and, and like the girls in this movie they were, you know, was extremely creative and everything and how but it turns out that he was being treated and he was even on meds at the time and one of the side effects of the meds is you see the color yellow very vividly and you see that a lot reflected in his art and so like with all of these movies I see a little of this and a little of that this The whole escape plans and you know all the things that kind of uh go into being a teenage girl in general, much less the teenage girl thrown into these types of situations and that generation uh and and the in the decade that it was set in, and everything is is <sighs> i gotta be honest with you i should I should love this movie. And just something about it, though, I walk away from it going, "Eh, maybe, maybe it was just a little, in some ways, some ways, it was a little too sugar-coated for me, if that makes sense, Uh, a little too shiny and happy in some ways, and in, in some ways, I think that they could have like with all of these, I wish they had been a little more real realistic about everything and, and the stereotype of the fun girl versus, you know, the shy girl and, you know, all these different things that kind of come across, um, Believe it or not, women, even teenage girls, can be all of those things all at the same time. And you don't have to have a pigeonhole of one girl be this and one girl be that or whatever. And, and the fact that um, I don't, I hope you know what I'm trying to say. That I think it was was Mm -hmm. simplified because it was a movie. Of course, Mm -hmm. it's entertainment. It's a movie, but it's not necessarily a realistic portrayal. I think of a lot of what teenage girls with mental health issues go through, uh, especially in institutional uh, institutionalizations. Does that make? I should I should love it. No, it does. I I just came away with the feeling of I don't know. It's a little icky. I wanted to go take a shower.
1: No, I think that's what I, I mean, I expect to get different viewpoints on some of these mm-hmm. movies because I think a lot of people view them differently. I do recommend reading the book um, because okay. this is based on the woman who wrote it. It's her own story. So mm-hmm. I do recommend reading the book, um, which I had read before I saw the movie. So I don't know if that made my view on it a little bit differently, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. 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 And Sarah.
3: I, uh, Ooh, this is going to be a tough one. Um, I, I did see it when it was, uh, first released. Uh, so that's been a good 20 plus years, I would say. Um, and I do remember watching it. Um, and it was not very long after, uh, my own, uh, suicide attempt. Uh, so it was a rough movie for me to watch at the time. um, and I think I pretty much uh, cried my way through it <laughs> um, just because the, my my experience in, uh, in the hospital was so fresh in my memory. Um, having said that, again, it's been 20 plus years since I've seen the movie, so I don't have a lot of memory of it. Uh, so I'm probably not the best person to uh, offer comments at this point. So I'm going to pass along to Sasha. <laughs> okay.
4: Ditto. <laughs> um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. So there's that. But I do... The biggest memory for me from that movie is, like Pasha said, it's that dichotomy between the loud girl and the quiet girl. And, like, you can, you can only be one or the other. You know, so you either have this one who's, like, loud and boisterous and is dragging the other one along for the ride. Um, is kind of the one... That's what stands out the most for me. Um, but again, it's been so unbelievably long since I've seen that movie that that's all that really stands out. Sorry, Aaron.
1: No it's all on you. All on you. It's perfectly so fine. Um, I have a different view on it. Um, for me, it was like, man, when I read that book, whew, it was like reading... Um, something written about the way I felt when I was a teenager and when I was in the hospital. So for me, it was very personal. Um, It cut very deep. It was a very hard movie to watch. It wasn't something I necessarily enjoyed watching. I will say that. Um, So I totally get the feeling icky afterwards thing. There were certain parts about it. Like, um, Oh, why am I forgetting the actress who played that character who had the, Chickens she would keep under her bed, the chicken after she would eat it. Was that Brittany Murphy's character that did that? I believe it was. Um, Like that whole thing. And of course it being because, you know, she was sexually abused and all that stuff. Um, And um, Angelina Jolie's character is the one I mainly want to focus on just talking about this. Because I, I think that performance was so good. I actually think that was a really, really good performance. I think, um, and like I said before on here, for years, I, I, long time ago, I had the hugest crush on Angelina Jolie. I just adored that woman, loved her. And watching her in this movie was like, I don't know. There was something about it where, even though that wasn't me, that wasn't like my illness, that wasn't how my illness necessarily manifested itself. But there was something in watching this beautiful, sexy woman who was so empowered and then watching her, the actress, getting all the awards for it and the way she would talk about people who had mental illness and how she would talk about people who had a mental illness like she applauded them and they were human beings and they were amazing and beautiful people was such a special thing to see because I was very much not open at all about this stuff. It took me a long time. I still, like I said, I have still have fears being open about this, but I want to be more open because I want to help end the stigma and make people feel safe. And I think that's part of the reason maybe I was given this illness is to be able to express that and to be able to help people. But to see an actress who was so well-known getting all these awards and the way she would speak about people who were in crisis and the way she would say we needed to see them and do more about it. That's why this movie is so special to me. I honestly think if it wasn't for her performance, it wouldn't be as special, but there was something about that where even though this character, the character of Lisa was the one that was a little bit more, um, to put it in terms of how people might've viewed it, like the more unhinged quote unquote, she was of course the more sexual one. Um, She was the more boisterous, loud one. She was the more of the troublemaker. Uh, She was also a very hurt and fragile person. She was a very fragile person. She was very lonely and she really wanted to be understood. And you could see that in the performance and you could see that Angelina Jolie loved this woman and loved this character and believed in what she was doing. And that was so incredibly special and empowering to see that I will always love this movie for that. Um, The book I love for a different reason because it was very much reading, like reading my mind. (laughs) Um, So I really recommend the book. I mean, they didn't change too much, but I just really recommend the book to, to, To see that. But I do agree with you, Pasha, with the tortured artist thing. I want to say my first real manic episode was in 2003. um, Well, it's more 2004, sorry. And I was helping to run a theater company. I was doing all this stuff. I was barely sleeping. Uh, That's another sign is when you can go with, like, one hour of sleep or even no hour of sleep and still be productive. And I was doing things constantly, but I was, like, talking, like – I mean literally like you couldn't even keep up with me. Um so yeah, so so I want to say with that creative things as a creative person. It is weird because if you do get into those spaces, sometimes you can feel more creative, but you kind of have to realize that you don't have to have that to be creative. You can be creative even on medication. So, yeah, Pasha, you wanted to add something?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to to say that as far as those part of what I think got to me about the stereotyping thing is because people stereotype me as that wild girl. I was mm-hmm. like that, but I wanted to say that I think it's so important when actors and when when performers take on these roles and then go a step further to to say, "Hey, you know this is." This is what happened to me, or this is and relate it to real life and relate it to real people, so for instance, um, gosh, you know Lady Gaga does that a lot uh, she She talks a lot about um, her sex abuse history and about her mental health issues, and puts that into her art, which I think is so important, but it gives these people a platform to come out and say, "Hey, you know, this is a big deal." I can't remember which performer it was that had portrayed a trans woman for a long, long time and said, won't it be great when you don't have to get cis male actors to play trans women, (laughs) you know? And so using that platform, even if if, he's like, even if it puts me out of a job, that's great, you know? And so I think it's important for, for people to see people that they look up to um, especially intelligent, strong women, like Angelina Jolie like um you know are are able to to talk about the realities of it and say yes this movie and this role is great but this is where we can take it a step further this is where you can go support people this these are some of the stereotypes and just so i i really cherish that and love that and i love that about celebrities that are able to take it that step further especially uh women
0: mm-hmm.
2: nowadays so yeah, that's, that was my two cents I wanted to put in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know it's true. That's why I, you know, that's why I loved Angelina Jolie for so long was just because I just saw her as this woman who was so strong and so centered in herself and her sexuality, and she didn't give a shit. She didn't give a fuck, excuse me, but she really didn't. She didn't give a crap about what anybody thought of her. And to see a person like that, then saying that and validating you, was so amazing and so powerful especially on a stage like the oscar stage and doing that is so incredible to watch so i just that's the main reason i wanted to bring that movie up um okay so we're gonna get into a movie that means a great 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 deal to me and that's silver linings playbook so i want to talk about that movie so pasha do you have thoughts on silver linings playbook
2: yeah, <laughs> it, it means a lot to me, too. And and OK, so I know we've been talking, especially me, I've been talking about the realism in these movies and how, oh, no, that doesn't happen. And oh, no, romance, da, 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 da. But it is nice to see two characters that acknowledge both the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the broken, and the not broken, quote unquote, broken or not broken what society would consider broken and not broken and still uh, love each other, not in spite of those supposed deficiencies, but because of that, that really means a lot to me. Um, My, as you, some of you know, my husband passed um, a little over a year ago and I've had Eli in my life uh, for a long, long time. And it's really, he's been such a support to me beyond what people even are able to understand. And part of that is that we are both very open and honest about our mental health issues. We are able to say, oh my God, this is just a day. And then the flip side of that coin is I'll have to say to him sometimes he gets, or or he'll say to me, "Is today a quiet day or, or, or something like that. And not having to hide that like i've had to hide in other relationships with um i have one ex-girlfriend specifically that i if i was feeling depressed ooh, i could not because she was one of those suck it up kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be weak you know suck it up and, and be out there you have to be empowered and should be an example for all these people and i'm like i just want to hide in bed today and eat oreos you know and um you know and and so with that so it's it's so freeing to have a romantic a, a love a relationship like that where you can feel like you can really be yourself and i recently went through a meds change because um when my husband died for a while I had to switch to Medicaid because there was no life insurance. It was, it was a mess, but be that as it may, they didn't cover my old antidepressant. Uh, so I had to switch and we went through a million different things. And one of the the drugs they were having me come off of, um, I wound up going into serotonin shock and I told, I but I had already told both my son and, and Eli, this is a side effect. And the doctor says that it, it it's a real one and that I probably wouldn't go through it. But guess what I did? And because I had let, because I felt safe enough to let someone else know because he too is on meds and has mental health issues and is quote unquote broken, um, was able to support me through that and recognize that even before I did. That having been said, Seeing it in a movie, I know you got. I am the most anti rom com girl woman you are ever going to meet. I can't. and rom-coms they drive me up the wall i just i literally have a foam brick that i throw at my tv because i'm all like no because my husband got so sick of me throwing popcorn at the tv because we'd have he was a big rom-com guy and so he's like no no you just have to watch this and 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 i'm just all like no way i'm throwing stuff i'm like no you deserve better and throw stuff at the tv you don't need to lose weight for him and all kinds of stuff i mean tons of. but see but i have to admit this one got me and yes it's a rom-com and but it was first of all the chemistry was definitely there uh as far as the characters and the actors in the movie um I also think there is a component and this is just from my own me projecting my own experiences onto these sorts of things, but the dancing and the physical, you know, I assume people listening to this hopefully will have some vague knowledge. If not go see the movie. It's really cool. Um, um, doing something physically like dancing can actually help you through a lot of mental health stuff and you can get through some breakthroughs. I think While doing different therapies, whether that's horse therapy, equine therapy, or dancing or whatever, that I think the flip side of that coin is I don't think that love is going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. Love is not a magic pill that's going to cure all your mental health issues and make you skinny and young and Um, (laughs) wrinkle-free. It's not a magic wand, but it is nice when you can find a partner that is a peer that you feel safe with. Mm -hmm and that's yeah. what so yeah this rom-com I actually liked I know I have to turn in my 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 bitter old woman card
1: <laughs> and, and Sarah
3: I, I'm sorry I'm just laughing at the rom-com thing because I am so not a rom-com fan there's very very few that I like um You know, uh, um, my husband probably enjoys them a little bit more than I do. Um, That being said, uh, all right. So uh, uh, this one is actually very fresh in my mind because I just finished watching it maybe about two hours ago. (laughs) How I've never watched it before, I have no idea, um, especially since it was uh, filmed right where my husband grew up. And uh, I tried convincing my sister-in-law to give Bradley Cooper my phone number. She wouldn't. She's not my favorite sister-in-law anymore, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yes, my husband was aware of this, and and left. But anyway, um, I loved it. Um, I had the option of renting or buying. I am glad I bought it because I will probably watch it twenty more times, like our lovely host. <laughs> uh, it was one of the. I, I don't want to say a positive portrayal of mental illness, but a more real portrayal of mental illness. Uh, I mean, he spent eight months uh, in the hospital. Um, and even when he gets out, he's still in therapy and he's still going through stuff. It's it's not a cure. And you, it, you see those struggles um, and you see him... And that's another thing that the main that the main character is a man. You don't often see that and it is so stigmatized within our society for men to have mental health issues and men are more likely to not seek help, die by suicide, violent suicide, um, because they're supposed to man up and they're supposed to just get over it. Um, they're just supposed to grow a pair. And it was it was really great to see that this showed that men can have struggles too. And not just him, um, uh, um, Danny, his friend that ends up uh, getting out. I mean, th- there were so many examples uh, in the movie of, of men that are struggling as well and i thought that was just absolutely fantastic because it always seems that it's the women who are having issues i mean not that you know there there are other examples um but also men struggling that don't turn violent and go on a murderous rampage like joker um so I, I found it actually very refreshing in, in that aspect um, and the fact that he is able to connect with this, you know, like Pasha said, not everyone, you know, love is not the cure-all, but he is able to find and connect with this other person who understands him and understands what he's going through and he understands what she's going through and I think they end up balancing each other out that way um you know i mean i i thought it was absolutely fantastic um just the way it was acted and i i don't think there's anyone that bradley cooper doesn't seem to have chemistry with what what is it What what is with that that is very true I'm like <laughs> oh my god does he have chemistry with like every person he acts with uh just unbelievable very true. plus there's the whole <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles aspect and growing up in New Jersey my husband's a big Eagles fan and I sort of related to uh, Robert De Niro's character and his superstitions in Juju because I go through that every football season in my house and it's frustrating but that's okay it's all right I just wanted
2: to say, as far as uh, Bradley Cooper goes, if if you need to test that chemistry theory, I volunteer as tribute. I, I volunteer as tribute me as well. Too. Yeah, yeah me I, too. I, I, <laughs> we
1: all volunteer.
2: Yeah, Bradley, I'm, if I'm you're good listening?
3: with
2: that. <laughs> Eli, Eli, too, it would definitely volunteer. <laughs> I, I, give, but I know he would because yeah. uh, we're we're both open minded that way. <laughs>
3: yeah. So yeah, maybe can someone make that happen? No. I'm <laughs> Come on, yes, Bradley Cooper,
1: hey, if I could hook anybody up with Bradley Cooper, <laughs> me <laughs>
3: it's not gonna be <laughs> she's not Sharon <laughs> um, so I mean I, I overall, I will say it was you know of you know what we've talked about so far, I think it it was one of the more real and accurate portrayals of mental illness and what people go through and you know what a two month stay in the hospital is not going to cure you. I mean, you're still, you're going to come out. Yeah. It's going to help. It may help, but you're still going to have struggles and it's, you have to keep working at it and you have to keep pushing forward and you have to find what works for you. And I think in him finding Tiffany and, and dancing, he found, what works for him. So, overall, I loved it and I'm going to watch it again. And Sasha,
4: this will be the last episode I'm on. Um, I did not love it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I know Aaron and we've done this before. Aaron will still let me come back. We we differ all the time, but it's okay. Um, we're not friends I, anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> what's what? kidding? Just lost all my friends. Look at that. Everybody hates me. <laughs> no, Lady we terms. love you. <laughs> so, yes, I, I enjoyed the movie. I did not love it. I And I'm bummed because everybody I know loves this movie. I had never seen it until last night. And I went ahead and bought it because my daughter loves it. So I know she'll want to watch it anyways. So it's fine. Um, but I just, I didn't love it. I did love parts of it. So I love the conversation where they're talking about the different meds that they've been on and how that went and how the sister is like mortified by that conversation. Like how inappropriate is that? Why are you discussing that? And it's just the realism of it, you know? Oh, did you try this? Oh, how about that? Oh, I had this combo. Oh, that combo, you know, and that for me, that's a fantastic scene. I love that scene. Um, When, bradley cooper is talking i think he's talking to the therapist and he or somebody and they ask him how he gets through it and he's like i just white knuckle it and for me that white knuckling is so accurate so accurate you know because i i've got some variety of anxiety i you know not allowed to diagnose myself but i know i've got anxiety um but i don't i'm not medicated for it or anything I, Probably should go see somebody and see if I need it. Um, you know, it rears its ugly head every now and again, but I I am that white knuckle it because then it's gone and then I forget about it, <laughs> which is not good. But I like that he, he put that out there because I think a lot of people have that and especially men, you power through, right? Man up, nut up, do what you got to do. Don't be a crybaby. Hold it in, suck it in get over it, move on, don't be a wuss, you're such a pussy. Like, all those things that men have been raised being told very much is that I'm white-knuckling it. So I appreciated that comment. Like, I actually made a note of that. I'm like, I have to remember this for the podcast. Because it's just so... It's such a guy comment. Right? Like, ah, fine. Just gonna power through. I can do it. Testosterone. (laughs) You know, so... I did. I appreciated that. The part for me was, um, and this is just because of my background, why is him, like, he was hospitalized and he was on meds, why is that not not part of his, like, mandatory release program? Like, if you got released and it's part of your thing and you go off your meds, shouldn't that be a concern? Because he went off them and nobody brought it up. It's it's a non-issue. It's just like, oh. We're in love and we're dancing and everything's fine. Where, what happened to the meds? He Where'd went back they go? on them.
1: He went back on them. There's a whole scene where he takes them. There's a whole scene. It's a very, very important scene. Pours and he, takes, and he them? takes them. Yes, you see him in his hand. You see him actually take them. It's a very important scene because it's the first time you see him take the medication. And it's the first time you see him kind of acknowledge, okay, I need to take this medication. So he does take it. It's, I was actually going to mention that scene as being one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, then that makes me feel better. Because I was like, what happened to the meds? So I missed that scene somewhere. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was making notes about white knuckling it. I don't know. (laughs) So, yes, I liked the movie. I did not love it as much as others do. Um, But, again, my favorite scene has got to be when they're talking about the meds that they've been on. Because it's just like, that's that's how it goes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked with enough kids where they do med washes on them and they try different things and they're like, oh, have you done this? Have you done that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this works. This doesn't. You know, I prefer Adderall over Ritalin. Don't ever give anybody Ambien. You know, like all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, this movie means so, so much
1: to me. Uh, I and I saw this, it happened to come out in 2012. So of course, a lot of this happened right before I ended up in in the hospital seeing this movie. Um, I remember going to go see it and I wanted to see it, but I actually was not a Bradley Cooper fan. This is the movie that made me a Bradley Cooper fan. Um, And I watched it and I went, that is the most accurate portrayal I have ever seen of bipolar disorder. What Bradley Cooper did in that movie it still irks me that he didn't win for that because I, he was so, so good little subtleties. He would do um, the way sometimes his mood would switch a little bit. Like there's a whole scene where, um, you know, cause he starts running and taking up running and he's a teacher and he goes to the school and there's a teacher there and she's all scared to see him. And he's so happy to see her and he's like hugging her. And the way he does that, it's so good and so subtle and, you see like this different side of him and he's kind of always on the edge there. Um, And it's like, he's like, no, I'm doing so much better. I'm powering through. I'm so much better. I'm doing so well. And I'm going to read all these books from my wife's reading list, from my ex wife's reading list. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to get her back and I'm going to do this. And it's going to be amazing. And the whole time he's on edge and he's fighting this and he's trying to be okay. And he's not okay. And I think that's what he realizes in the end is he's not completely okay. But being with Tiffany makes him feel okay. And she, of course, has her own uh, mental health that she's dealing with as well. Um, but that's what, that's, I just, he's just so good and it's so accurate. And there's so many little things that he does in that movie and the whole scene when he reads the book and he gets so upset about the ending of the book and he throws the book out the window and he goes and he wakes up his parents. I mean, it's so funny. And that's what I appreciated was this movie was a comedy at the same time. So you could laugh at these things, even though there was a lot of sadness and sorrow, you could still laugh and it was okay because you weren't laughing at the person. You were laughing with them at and at some of the things that happen when you have a mental illness. There are some things that are just kind of funny. And that's what I really appreciated too. Um, And the med scene is one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. And the reason it's so good is because it's so accurate. It's so incredibly accurate. When they start talking about Trazodone, I was like, oh, yeah, Trazodone. That's exactly the way Trazodone is. Like, I can't remember the exact line that Bradley Cooper says, but the way he says, it's like Trazodone, what? Like, what? It's just because that's the way it is. It's like you're just like, ouch. Um, And I just loved that because it was like watching people talking about something that is so stigmatized and actually being open about the fact that they've taken different drugs and different medicines. And the fact that other people are uncomfortable, those aren't the people you're supposed to relate to. You're supposed to relate to the people talking about their drugs. And that is so rare. And that's what was so beautiful. And what I also loved is, yes, this is a romantic comedy and they find love in the end. But it never, ever, in my mind, ever presents that love as what is going to cure him. He still is always going to have that illness. She is always going to have her issues, too. And that love isn't going to cure it. It's just going to help him. It's just going to be somebody who's going to be there and accept him for who he is. And she does. And the fact, I mean, she wrote all those, spoiler alert, but she wrote all the letters, you know, that his that he thought he was getting from his wife and All these things. And it's just so beautiful to see that, to see somebody who other people you see are scared of. And he's not scary and he's a beautiful person. And watching someone see that beauty and have him have that love and that moment, it's so hopeful. And that's why I wanted to make sure to point out that he does take the medicine because it's such an impactful scene because it really is him going. Okay, I have to do this. And you can see the struggle on his face. Again, Bradley Cooper is so amazing in this movie. And you see that struggle in his face and him realizing he needs to do that and him taking it. I remember when this movie came out, I was listening to some talk radio thing. And these people were complaining about the movie because they thought it was propaganda for drug companies because it shows that once he starts taking the medicine, everything is okay. And that's not at all what happens. So I just, I just loved that. I loved the parents. Um, I love the way it's written. I love the music. The dance scene is also one of the best scenes in the whole entire world. I mean, that dance is so incredible and so great. And what's so great about it is they don't care that they're not the best. They're just having so much fun. And watching his parents watch that dance was so beautiful And how much they loved it. And it was just really this movie is just to me, this is like this to me is the best movie I've ever seen about mental illness. Hands down for me personally, this is the best one. This is why I will always love Bradley Cooper unless we hear some horrible things about him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I also love, um, you know, his his version of A Star is Born. um, Talk about chemistry. But yeah, I just, I just think this is just, I just, I watched it over and over again in the theater. Um, I went and saw it when I got out of the hospital, I went and saw it like a few days after, and that was a very emotional viewing. Um, But it's just, it's just, it's my heart. It's one of those heart movies for me. It's like Donnie Darko um, and a few others. It's just in my heart. And Sasha, you wanted to add something?
4: I just want to add about them ending up together. Um, People always say, you know, you need to find the partner that completes your puzzle or whatever. But I think in their case, it's really the, it's not baggage. It's your demons play well together. What are his demons and her demons and do the demons match? Can they play well together? And I do think that that is a nice component of it, that they, they acknowledge each other. They see each other. Like Pasha had said, like they, they actually really see each other and it's not a, what could you offer me or what could you bring out in me? What could you be? It's they're it. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that in there too.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I really could do a whole podcast episode talking about this movie. So I'm going to stop because I really could just for another hour talk about how much I love this movie and how much I just love Bradley Cooper in this movie so much. And, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is really good in it. I have major issues with her, but she is really good in it. Um, But I just, for me, Bradley Cooper's performance is everything um, because of the fact that it's so accurate. And to me, um, that takes takes an actor that has respect for what they're doing to be able to do that. So I just want to say that. So we're going to move on and we're just going to have um, Sasha and I are the only ones who have seen this. So we won't spoil it for you because there is a big thing that you learn in this movie. And I don't want it to be spoiled for the other two panelists. No spoilers. But, I, but I want to just touch briefly on Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is on Netflix right now, everybody. Um,
2: spoil it For me, I don't mind. I'll still watch it anyway. You know. Well, I
1: don't want to spoil the thing that that you learn because I just I think it's better to go along with the journey with the character discovering this thing for himself. So I think it's better to, so I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but I want to talk about this movie briefly because uh, this actually came out the same year as uh, silver linings playbook. Um, and I, this one is special for a different reason for me, but um, Sasha, since you are the only other one on the panel who's seen it, what are your overall thoughts of this? One?
4: Um, I, I love this movie. I I love this movie um, for multiple reasons. I love that Charlie is so, like, he's aware of his mental illness, but he's not just the way he's trying to handle things. It's very teen. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. All of a sudden, you know, he's, here, have a brownie. It's a pop brownie. So you see him get high and it's just like, this carpet is the best carpet ever, <laughs> you
0: know, and you just see all
4: these different things that's going on and he gets, you know, so then he gets into the substance abuse because he's trying to cope with things that he doesn't know how to cope with is basically what's happening. Um, but the big thing for me is it hits everything, right? So you got Charlie with the mental illness, his sister, Um, is in a relationship that turns out to be not great and it's kind of like that family cycle of violence you know there's some domestic violence in there Um, the girl that he likes has got a bunch of issues going on she makes light of an eating disorder you know one of the other best friends is in this secret gay relationship that doesn't end well but the big thing that i wanted to bring up from perks without spoiling anything for anybody and you can watch it on netflix it gets removed at the end of the month because when i watched it the other night it says we'll no longer be on after like march 31st so just Mm -hmm. those of you that want to watch it um but he is typing to friend And he's typing these letters, like I'm starting high school. This is what I'm worried about. And he says, so this is my life. I'm both happy and sad and trying to figure it out. And for me, that was the biggest thing. You can be both. You can be happy and sad and it doesn't mean anything. Like it's not the end all be all. It doesn't identify you. And so for him to say that, um, I know that there's other quotes that are more popular, but for me, that one was the big one where it's, I'm both happy and sad and I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out, man. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I thought that was a really beautiful part of the movie. So that's the only real big thing I wanted to bring up. Aaron.
1: Yeah. I, I love this movie too. I absolutely love this movie and I watched it again last night. Um, and what I love about this movie is this was high school for me. Um, as far as like who his friends were, because he finds all these oddball people. They're all older than him, but he finds them and they accept him and they take him in. And, you know, they're trying to find their own place in the world. And there's these scenes where they do Rocky horror picture show and they're going there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is my high school. Yeah. See, Pasha, I'm telling you, you have to watch this movie. Um, And it's so relatable. And it's like all the, quote-unquote freaks and weirdos and they're all just so wonderful and beautiful and they embrace him and it's so beautiful to watch and lovely and wonderful and um I I knew all of these people I was friends with all of these characters and I was some of them in one way or another and it's just so well done and the music is
0: amazing
1: Um, It reminds me a lot of a, a very lighter version of Donnie Darko in the fact that you have the weirdos all finding each other kind of thing, which we talked about that a lot on our Donnie Darko episode. And that's what I love about this movie so much. I remember when it finished and I was bawling. I was just bawling in the theater. And I was like, that was like watching high school. That was like watching my high school, the most realistic portrayal I have ever seen. And yeah, the Rocky Horror picture show scenes when they're there and they're watching the performance. Oh my God, that was so beautiful and so amazing. And Oh, I've never seen a film really capture what that's like and why that's important to some people like this film did. And that's another thing that I appreciated. Um, And on the mental health aspect, it was never, these people never judged Charlie. Um, they just accepted him for who he was and loved him for who he was. And there was so much love and there was that, you know, I've always had, um, for a long time in my life, a lot of men in my life who were male friends and you would see that in this movie too, where the men and women were all friends and loved each other. And it was just so, so beautiful, um, to watch. And that's another thing I love about it. Pasha, you wanted to add something in there?
2: Just that now I have to see it because anything with Rocky, as you know, I've seen it over 300 times, but in high school, that was what got so many of us. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate through difficult home lives, difficult mental health issues we ourselves were experiencing and everything else. And I want to give a shout out to, I even had a suicide pact with one of my friends, Heather, when we were teenagers, but I remember Some days the only way I got through my life was due to the weird kids I connected with, with Jack, with Brian, with Eleanor, with, Mm -hmm. you know, Lori Jane and Michelle and all in the middle of very rural Oklahoma, we were all the punks and the weirdos and all the kids in the AP classes and everything like that. And um, to this day, if I'm having a hard time, see now I have to see that movie. So, if nothing else, yeah, I have to mm-hmm. see that movie. I'm sure it'll to. be just experienced as soon as I see the rocky stuff, I'll just go crazy. So, yeah, and it's in there a couple see, times. The podcast connects me with all the good stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. and it's in there a couple times. So, you don't just get one instance of it, it's in there a couple times. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, I mean, I'm like, they must have, I wonder if they had to pay rights or something because, yeah, it's just, it's so. So beautiful to watch that stuff. And, you know, we would, you know, I hung out with a lot of the goths and the punks and everything like that when I was in high school. So it's very relatable. And, you know, they even have like a coffee shop that they go to and they're hanging out all hours at night. And that's what I did all the time. I mean, we had ones here. We had like Muddies and Paris and all these places that don't exist anymore. It makes me sad. And we'd be there all hours smoking and drinking coffee and playing cards. And it was like seeing that on screen and so realistic was amazing. And I want to say a quick little story about the pot brownie. I'm allergic to nuts, except for peanuts, which aren't really nuts, and almonds. Well, I remember one time when I was in high school, I went to a party. And they had hash cookies. And I ate one. And then I went to eat another one, and I realized they had nuts in them. So I ate this whole cookie with nuts in them, and I didn't have an allergic reaction. And I think it's because, <laughs> I think it's because they were hashed cookies. I really do. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not saying that if you have an allergy, I'm not advocating. I don't want to give medical advice. But it's just a funny little aside that I want to throw in there. So anyway, yeah, definitely Sarah and Pasha watch this movie and then tell me what you think about it, because I will be shocked if you don't like it. So I want to just talk about As Good As It Gets and Beautiful Mind, since I know the panelists have seen that those two. Um, and then I'm going to, when we end, I'm going to mention Skeleton Twins really briefly. I won't spoil anything, but I'm just going to mention that one. So Pasha, what are your thoughts on these two movies?
2: Okay, Um, I liked As Good As It Gets more than I liked Beautiful Mind. Um, As Good As It Gets, yeah, it was rom-com-ish, but I got to say the neighbor, Simon, his relationship and uh, even evolving there and kind of, you know, it it turns, I, I I wish almost in a way it hadn't focused so much on the romance because... I think the relationship between the three of them and even the dog is is kind of is kind of um, where the heart of the movie was for me more than the romantic relationship. Uh, My son, like I said, is on the spectrum, as am I to a lesser degree. And one of the things, issues he has, and see, have you noticed, by the way, I'm very egocentric in the, in the way that every, everything, every one of these movies relates directly back to my life and what i got. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, that, though. <laughs> that, that having been said, my son, um, some people, they, they jokingly say have ret- resting bitch face. He has resting bitch voice. He always sounds irritated with people. And then to top it all off, his way of communicating a lot of the time sounds very confrontational because he will, like me, the reason I brought up I'm relating everything back to me is because he'll kind of do the same thing in the sense that, for instance, Marvel. We were talking about Marvel earlier. We'll talk about a Marvel Marvel movie and you will say, oh, yeah, but that's different from the comic because blah, 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 blah. and And what he's trying to say is I saw that, too. I liked it, too here's some more information you might be interested in. That's different about the comics, but with his resting bitch voice and with the way he talks about things, it sounds like he's correcting people all the time. And he sounds really bitchy all the time. And he gets really nervous and shy. I mean, like paralyzing shy, like cannot, he's on social security disability. He cannot look at people at their faces. And so, I mean, he really, it's pretty intense, but because he won't look people in the eye and the way he communicates and his, his the cadence in his voice, it's very difficult for him to make and keep friends. Because sometimes, I admit, he can be a lot to take. As can I. As can anyone else. But for him, he told me once that... He has mental health issues, but he's able to recognize it and see his failings, but not quite able to quote unquote fix it And uh, he when my stepdaughter and he and I were in the car one time, she was super sunny, super bubbly, super popular in high school uh, and but, but had dyslexia and was not what people would consider the brightest young thing but amazing eq emotional she was able to really read the room and just automatically without even trying be sunny and everybody loved her and my son he's extremely extremely intelligent but cannot talk to people i mean literally cripplingly sometimes cannot talk to people and becomes nonverbal. and um we speak at conventions as you know a lot and so one time he went with me to a sci-fi convention and we were talking about um boundaries around cosplay and how sometimes you know and and he was having a nonverbal verbal day that day and i i he came up and went, bravely sat on the panel anyway and i had to say this is a perfect example my son is in costume he looks great and he looks and he's a very popular character but he personally is not able to be very verbal today but people not knowing that will come and violate his space and give him big hugs and stuff like that and so with as good as it gets, it kind of touched me in the way that I, I can see how people who seem prickly uh, and easily irritated can can put people off. And it takes a lot to mine and get through there. And even then, as in with any other relationship, it still takes a lot of work to maintain. Um, every relationship is is that way to a to plus and lesser degrees every day um and so I didn't hate his character as much as a lot of people did um because I was just like okay I get it you know um just because I had that lived experience uh it was very subtle at the end when when he steps on that crack and doesn't even notice and Helen Hunt is like oh that's so sweet love has cured him and it, And which, you know, I didn't dig that one a lot, but the flip side of that coin is it was very subtle and it wasn't like a big, huge, I'm fixed now kind of thing. And, and sometimes when you're in love and when you're feeling safe, maybe some of the anxiety does kind of go down a little bit, but it's day to day, minute to minute, all the time. Um, with beautiful mind, I thought they sugarcoated almost everything. They changed his life story autobiographically so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's understandable that people can be prickly, and sometimes people seem super prickly, but in real life, he was he did some things that nowadays would be considered pretty stinking abusive. And I know that some of that is rooted when he was not able to maintain uh, and some of that, what may have been just because he could be a schmuck. Uh, So in real life, because I knew, because I'm a science geek and I knew a lot about him personally and his relationship with his wife and with his family, I went to the movie and when I, when I left, I was like, uh, and, and again, wanted to go take a shower because I was like, that was, a very sugar-coated thing. Um, One of the few things they got right is that with schizophrenia, uh, statistically, there are more men than cis men than cis women that, that are diagnosed, but also um, it usually, the, the symptoms may not develop until you're, you're in your early, early to mid twenties to 30s and and so childhoods pure true schizophrenia is difficult to find so unlike with depression and spectrum disorders and stuff like that it's hard to get a handle on and sometimes when you're leaving your home and in your 20s that's when those symptoms can first emerge and it can be it can you know be extra traumatic because of that uh Being on your own and trying to be self sufficient, and then all of a sudden, all this stuff is hitting you. Um, But yeah, I think mostly because I knew the portrayals of schizophrenia itself right off the bat were not entirely realistic. I know everybody's experience is different, but having worked with a lot of people that are schizophrenic. I love by the way that different medications are being advertised on TV, like any other drug, like high blood pressure meds or diabetes meds. And then also sudden schizophrenia meds or HIV meds. I love that the stigma is being removed somewhat. Um, but I think that there needs to be some more realistic portrayals out there for us to really kind of wrap our hands and, heads around it and kind of grok what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Beautiful Mind was so off base from what really happened. That was my primary issue with that movie in general. And I think as good as it gets, um, it was a rom-com. But I, so I wish they had focused more on all the relationships and even what uh, Simon was a neighbor, right? Simon had to go through mm-hmm. after his assault and everything like that so i thought it was a slightly more well-rounded movie so yeah
3: sarah um again uh you know it's been uh quite some time since i've seen both movies uh but uh pasha actually brought up an interesting point there and, and i didn't i didn't really look at it that way, probably because I saw the, uh, the movie before, uh, my son was born and diagnosed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, my, my son is kind of the same way. Like he can come off as being rude. Um, but he's not, it's just the way he speaks. um, you know one one thing and, and you actually brought this up too. I think my favorite part of uh, as good as it gets was the relationship that Jack Nicholson's character develops with the dog because here is this 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 poor little like little Westie. i don't even remember what it was it was it was the little dog it was a little dog um and with his illness i mean it, it's just not obviously not something he was comfortable with and how much he grows to love dog and be concerned about the dog and care about the dog and i think that was actually <laughs> from what i remember i think that was actually my favorite part of the whole story um mainly because i also love dogs um so that might be part of it um you know, as to I, I don't have a lot of information about OCD. Um, a little bit, I obviously I know it's not, you know, just keeping things neat and tidy and keeping everything in order. There's a lot more to it. So whether it was an accurate portrayal of that, I I can't say. Um, you know, and yes, there was that rom com aspect of it as well. Um, you know, I I i i really i i don't want to make up stuff because i don't have a lot to say on it um as for a beautiful mind um i don't know a lot about his autobiography or his story to compare what how who he was and what he went through with what the movie portrayed um you know again it was one of those movies when i when i did watch it i'm like oh hey it's filmed in princeton i grew up in princeton um so there was a lot of you know that nostalgia kind of thing for me just just from that aspect um again not knowing enough about schizophrenia uh and how it affects people whether it was an accurate portrayal or not i don't know but i will agree that it is nice to see that we're we're getting advertisements for medications for schizophrenia, for bipolar, for HIV, you know, all these illnesses that do have those stigmas. It's nice to see that those are starting to break down a little bit. Um, I wish I had a little bit more input for you on this, but I don't. I'm so sorry. So maybe no, Sasha has more. <laughs> Sasha's
4: shaking her head. Nope, she doesn't. No more. Sasha does not have more. Um, the only thing that Sasha can say is uh, the only thing I think I remember from As Good as It Gets is that he actually, the dog started not stepping on cracks. Yes. At one point. Yes. That is the extent of my memory for As Good as It Gets, <laughs> is that he gave the dog OCD.
0: Yes, Which I I thought that was
4: kind of an interesting trick um, I also don't remember a whole lot About a beautiful mind But I'm going to blame that On the fact that I had a Paranoid schizophrenic uncle um, And I very clearly Remember being like 12 And answering the phone Because it was closest to my bedroom When I was like yeah, I think it was 11 or 12 At like midnight And him going There's people in the phone there's people in the phone there's little people they're in the phone and i i just remember screaming like mom dad you know um so having dealt with somebody with schizophrenia movies that have schizophrenic in it are a little weird for me um just on a personal so i don't remember a whole lot about that one um so I'm zero help and passing
1: it off to erin well Pasha first has something to add and then i'll
4: I just wanted to say,
2: Eli gave me permission before all this, because he he was going to be here in this interview as well, but he had some painful dental work. He said, if there's any of my stuff you need to talk about, feel free. Um, I can hear him in the other room yawning very, very loud and yelling as much as he can through his rag at at, at hockey game. But um, he has OCD issues, uh, not as significant as um, Jack Nicholson's character. And I have depression issues where I don't want to get out of bed. And part of his OCD, not all of it, part of it is cleanliness, but not as extreme as, as usually is portrayed, but also with the uh, counting with um, different things like that. And it's stuff so subtle, no one would ever notice, but, but me. Uh, But um, as two people with, separate mental health issues that seem so diametrically opposed me who has a hard time dragging my butt and just to rinse a dish off and put it in the dishwasher versus him who cannot stand if the if a dog even walks in the house with mud on his paws it's it's been a challenge but in a weird way it's helped our relationship grow we're not broken we don't need to be fixed we're we're Our our stories may be messy, but they're still beautiful. And, you know, it's, it's, I just hope that with Erin and amazing people like her and, and, and the other panelists here uh, bringing, shining a light on these issues in general, that, that maybe if enough of us are, you know, voice our opinions enough, they will be a little more realistic about what, they put into this content and be a little more responsible for it. That's all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, And I'll just be pretty brief about this. And then I'm just going to rattle off a few other titles quickly that I think people should check out. Um, I love as good as it gets. Um, what I think is so interesting about it as good as it gets is Jack Nicholson's character is very prickly. He's very rough around the edges. He says stuff that he doesn't even think before he's saying it, but underneath it all is actually this really caring, fragile, vulnerable, sensitive person. And you see that a lot. You really see it with the dog. And I mean, I know we've kind of laughed a little bit about it, but that relationship with the dog, when he has to give the dog back the heartbreak that you see in his face and in his body because he's let this other being into his life and now it gets taken away and you can, you get the feeling that that's happened his whole life. Um, And it just speaks also to Jack Nicholson's performance, but I just think that scene is so beautiful and I love that dog anyway. I'm a dog person as everybody knows, but I just think that's such a beautiful, beautiful scene. And so I think underneath it all, he is a really good person, My thoughts on the relationship is it lasts maybe another week or two and then they break up, (laughs) to be honest. I don't think that relationship lasts. Um, And as far as being realistic or not, I've known people who have OCD, but I don't want to speak for them as far as it being realistic or not. I think there are parts that are very realistic and the fact that it they show it not being just cleanliness that they show his whole thing about having to lock and unlock and lock and unlock and unlock like those little things I think were a nice touch to put in there where it wasn't just him like cleaning over and over again. It was also other things that he did. Um, So I liked that. I liked that they added that in for a beautiful mind. I hate a beautiful mind. (laughs) I'm just going to say that I absolutely hate this movie. Um, I hate it for many reasons. A big one is it's very no offense to Ron Howard, because I like some of Ron Howard's movies, but this is very much Ron Howard sugarcoating, like you said, Pasha. It's very much the sugary sweet version. Um and yes, they took out a lot of things about his life. They also changed his sexuality. There was a lot of stuff that they changed in this um, <laughs> in this movie and in the portrayal that that's why it's so bad. I also I um have my own personal experience with um, schizophrenia and knowing someone with schizophrenia is when I was in the hospital, I met someone there who had paranoid schizophrenia. And I always feel a little bit um, protective of that portrayal of, of schizophrenia for some weird reason. It's like this thing of like, Uh, just because I've known someone who had it and because I was misdiagnosed with it, which it's totally not me at all. Um, so I have this weird thing with it when it's in a movie. I, I don't, I can't even think of, you know, it's, to me, it's very rare that they ever get schizophrenia, correct? I think that's the one they fail on more than any other one personally. Um, so yeah. And I, I just didn't like it. I just thought it was too sugary sweet for the subject matter. Um, so yeah, I'm not not a big fan of that. So I just want to quickly mention a few things that, and maybe for our panelists, these will be ones to check out too. I want to first mention the movie Skeleton Twins, uh, which has Bill Hader in it and uh, Kristen Wig. and Bill Hader is so amazingly, outstandingly, phenomenally, just every word so good in this movie. Um, This is kind of a darker comedy kind of um, go Google, go YouTube. Um, I'm going to post, I'll post it at some point on our Twitter page. Um, The dance, the little lip syncing scene that Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader do. uh, The Nothing's going to stop us now. They do this whole lip syncing routine that I guess they've been doing since they were young kids. The two characters, because Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader are brother and sister. And Bill Hader's character is suicidal in this movie and the way they discuss suicide in this movie is so accurate. And that feeling of being suicidal. And that's why I love this movie. Um, I also want to mention a movie that's from the early two thousands called manic. And it's all about young teens in a psychiatric facility in around that time period. Um, it's got Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's got Don Cheadle. Uh, it's a really, really good movie, small independent movie. Um, I highly recommend that one. That's very hard to watch though. I will say that. Um, And then also this isn't a movie, but the one episode in the Amazon series, modern love, there's an episode with Anne Hathaway and she plays a woman with bipolar. And it's so relatable that it, it was really, really hard to watch, like relatable in a different way than silver linings playbook. And they show her going through a, a, a bipolar depression, and I've never seen bipolar depression depicted so accurately before in my life. So, yeah, and she's re- and then there's a whole scene where she tells a friend that she has bipolar and, you know, she comes out with that and and her truth of that. And that was very realistic, too, of how painful that is and how scary and vulnerable that makes you. So I recommend that one, too. So I just wanted to there's a bunch of others that I could recommend, but I just wanted to mention those three really quickly. OK, well, I just I want us to just close out. Um, we will definitely have to revisit this at some point. Uh, but I just really want to thank my panel for being on here and for being vulnerable and for being honest and for sharing this, because. Like you said, Pasha, like said, this is how you help in stigma, is by being honest and open about it. And I know how hard this is and how painful this is, that it takes a lot to be this open. And it's hard. It's very hard. I want everybody to know that I understand this isn't easy. To speak your truth, to be open and honest about who you are is one of the hardest things you can do as a human being. And so to my panel who has been on here just... Thank you for sharing your heart and your soul and being so vulnerable and open and beautiful and amazing people. And I love all three of you very much. And thank you so much for being on here and listening to me and thank you. That's all. So I just wanted to say that. So thank you very much. And I'm sorry I made you cry, but (laughs) thank you very much. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and close out (laughs) And have everybody say where they can be found. And if you have anything you want to promote, Pasha.
2: Well, before I jump into more stuff about me, I wanted to thank you so much, Erin, for creating such a really, I got to be honest, I love podcasts. But it took me a little while to get back around to listening to a lot of yours. And they're so good. But not just because they're good. You create such a lovely, safe space for us to be able to come on here and talk about our own history and talk about our own mental health issues. And um, like I said, Eli is a lot more open now because during your uh Me Too movement episode we were on and Eli shared for the first time publicly what he had shared with me and all oh, maybe two other people alone, which was that he had been sexually assaulted as a man. And, um, So thank you specifically, Aaron, for creating a space where I've had other people approach me about doing all kinds of podcasts, but you're the only one I always say yes to every time because I know I can come on here and be scattered and talk about my stuff and cry and, you know, and and it's, can be very cathartic, but more than that, it's because of you and that you yourself are helping people in this podcast and you as a person. I hope you don't edit this out because I want your listeners already know, and I'm sure you already get this feedback, but it's very meaningful and it can be very raw, but you have created a place where people can come and listen to amazing others like you yourself um ta- be be vulnerable and find strength in that vulnerability and um talking about things that are taboo <laughs> and so thank you very much from from us to 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 you to having this uh platform from which we can sit and laugh and cry and bitch and <laughs> <laughs> and everything else and uh so you can find me um on uh crackbook on facebook um pasha eve on i do dabble occasionally on twitter and instagram But uh, not as much as I should. Uh, Those are both uh, at Hapa Posh. Hapa is is an old slang word for half Asian, uh, what used to be a derogatory term. So Hapa and Posh for Pasha. So at Hapa Posh. And then uh, more importantly, our nonprofit organizations, RLRI, and and even more important than that, uh, Parasol Patrol. Uh, Our Facebook page is the most active at Parasol Patrol org people are coming out of uh covid we've already had two events in the last month standing against westboro baptist church and so if you can visit our facebook page and see what we do there shielding kids and their families from hate groups like uh westboro and the proud boys and QAnon and stuff that would be great
1: and we'll link that in the show notes and um Thank you, Pasha, for everything you said. And you're welcome. So thank you, um, Sarah.
3: I, mean, I I will just say, I mean, this, this, what, what you've done here has is, is been fantastic. And, um, you know, I never in a million years would have thought that I would be part of a podcast. Uh, this is so far out of my comfort zone. It's not even funny. So thank you for that. Um, so I'll keep it short. Um, if if you want to find me, uh, I am on Facebook, uh, Sarah uh, Sarah Vaccaro Barnick B A R N A I K. Uh, also been a little bit more active on Instagram um, and Twitter. Uh, handle on both of those is uh, Nate Cam Mom. That's N A T E C A M M O M. And thank you, Aaron, again for having me. Thank you. I'm um, Sasha.
4: Um. Yep. I'm, first of all, uh, everything that everybody has said, but I'm also extremely grateful that you haven't made this a YouTube show yet because this would have been <laughs> the messiest one to go on YouTube with all of us crying I and know, just
2: nose. <laughs> sobbing
4: and snot bubbling everywhere. So, um, I'm glad that this was not your YouTube pilot, but you do, you create an amazing safe space. And I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation about mental health because it is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and you know, like I've said before, I all this was almost my dissertation. My dissertation was almost mental illness in media. Um, I ended up doing it on mental health in schools, but this was almost my dissertation topic. So I was really excited about this one. Um, for I'm gonna go ahead and plug a bunch of mental health supports, if that's okay. Please do. Um, so the national suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-TALK which is 8255 uh for anybody who is a veteran you can call that number and press one and they will connect you with um, va trained staff who will understand um you know the unique ptsd and other issues that come up for our vets Uh, Vets can also text 838255, um, so you can do that. Anybody else can text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. That will connect you with a crisis counselor immediately. Um, Whatever state you are in should have their own crisis center that you can call. Um, Most of them also have online services. And I'm going to go ahead and plug imalive.org, which... uh, I don't know if Sarah still volunteers at, but I volunteered there for over a year. I had to stop when I started my dissertation because I just, it it was too much. Um, But that is a 24 seven suicide chat line. You get connected with trained crisis counselors. Um, We had to go through serious training to do it um, like lots and lots of hours, lots and lots of practice. So they're all trained um, people that you can talk to. And that's, good for uh especially our youth who don't want to call a hotline and talk to people that can be really uncomfortable for people so this one you can actually type um you know you can go online and do it and it's all via text so you just type in whatever you need and you are talking to an actual person I know it doesn't always sound like you are but there are real live humans behind that who are trying to solve and help you um so just so that you know that both Sarah and I did that and it was by far one of the most rewarding experiences. So I just want to plug those mental health resources really quickly. Um, if you want to find me, I'm on the Instagram. I don't get the Twitter. I accidentally signed up for TikTok, mostly for sea shanties. We'll talk about that issue later, but if you want to find me on Instagram, I am vegan geek chick. Um, and from there you can find my dog's account. Cause he's just adorable and everybody needs more dogs in their life. So. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And I will um, put the, that information in the show notes as well um, just so everybody knows so thank you Sasha for sharing those resources and this is Erin you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty the E and the A and the B are capitalized be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod if you have any show notes, feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest, feel free to reach out to us at itsafandomthingpod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we are going to be tackling another topic. So we're going to be talking about the male gaze in media. So it won't be as heavy as this one, but it might have some heaviness in it as well. So that'll be a really interesting conversation. And then next week, just to let everybody know, we're going to lighten things up for a week because we're going to lighten it up with... Um, coming to America and um, girlfriends because the next week we're talking about American psychos. <laughs> I was like, we got to We got to We got to sandwich in some comedy in between all these happiness. Um, so, um, so yeah. So anyway, until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and black lives matter and stop Asian hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Temis. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive.